Hi guys, happy Tuesday and welcome to another episode of The Come Up. Today we are lucky, we, we're not just joined by one guest, today we have two guests. Karens, if you're listening, did you hear that? We're talking to two managers right now. This is sensory overload for the Karens. Here we go. I'm here with two Eans brothers. That is Aaron and Andre Eans. And these two are the masterminds behind the success of the two-time Super Bowl winner, Travis Kelsey, and founders of the growing sports management, their firm, A&A Management. I'm about to list a client list from them, and you're about to lose your mind. Are you ready? It's a wide range of clients, but here we go, including... Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl champion tight end, and we just discussed this. God, it's it's as big as it gets. Travis Kelsey, Cleveland Browns All Pro cornerback Denzel Ward, who's insane, incredible. His 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 off the field presence is amazing, and we're gonna hear from his mother Nicole in a minute here. She's our special guest today, so get ready. That's coming at the end of this uh, of this podcast, and then we have wide receiver Donovan Peoples Jones, twenty twenty two rising All Star, and. Second team all-rookie NBA breakout Bones Highland. And get ready for this, all-pro cornerback Joe Hayden. Just to name a few. Come on. Who's counting? Guys, the Eans brothers oversee day-to-day operations. They evaluate the overall success of the organization, maintain awareness for their clients. But we talk about in this podcast about marketing and advertising and building lasting legacies throughout their careers for their clients and into retirement. We, it's unbelievable because we talked about like the investing in Olipop early on. I mean, this thing goes crazy. I mean, when you talk about some of the deals that they have, they have a first look deal with ABC Disney with Travis Kelsey. They have the Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee for Denzel Ward, their client, who I t- again, we're going to talk to his mother. Bones Highland has a six-figure shoe deal and global campaign with Under Armour. Travis Kelsey is co-founder of the Hilo Gummies and had his first music festival, Kelsey Jam, recently. I I don't want to. I'm done talking, guys. I'm I'm done. Thank you for tuning in. Happy Tuesday. Here we go. Without further ado, another episode of the Come Up. Enjoy. So first off, thank you guys for being here, and this is an honor to be able to talk to you. Oh no, thanks for having us, man. We're gonna get fun with it, and then we're gonna get into the serious questions. Yep. So, um. Y'all are y'all the same age? Are you are you twins? Yeah, twins. 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 Next question: Who's older? No. Your roommates. Actually, I do have that question. <laughs> who uh, who won the uh, the womb battle? You know, I think I uh, think I won by you know just maneuvering out the maneuvering out first. You know, getting that tough. I'm but our mom had a C-section, so I don't think it really. Yeah, I wasn't gonna add that, but he same he, time he was. I was on the way out actually. But, you know. <laughs> Did you guys play organized sports growing up? Yeah, both sure played. Did. You know. Pretty much, I mean, grow up in Ohio, I think you have to play sports. You know, I don't know if you have to, but, you know, you start with soccer, you start with, you know, football, basketball, um, you know, I think, you know, you name it. pretty much it, yeah, basketball. Basketball? I wanted to go to the NBA. There was no telling me I wasn't going to the NBA. And when did that that end? That ended freshman year in college. I gave it up. (laughs) I played college basketball at a small school in Cincinnati. We went from, like, St. Edward High School in Cleveland being on ESPN and playing in front of thousands to, like, three people in a, bu- in a bubble out in the middle of nowhere in Cincinnati, Ohio. That's when I was like, oh, yeah. I don't think the NBA is going to work. <laughs> you played basketball, is that right, Aaron? Yep, played basketball, played football. And then, um, you know, pretty much I think my senior year of high school realized I wanted to kind of get into the, the sports business side of things. And that really made me, you know, basically after high school not 
want to play. <laughs> Not want to play. Yeah. What was like the, the, the idea of having a career in sports? Was that something that you guys always saw from the beginning? Yeah, I mean, we were, you know, went to, you know, St. Ed's High School in, you know, Cleveland, which a lot of our friends were able to play, you know, in, you know, big time college programs. We saw people that, you know, formerly went there that went pro and you know, we had a really good friend that was one of the best basketball players in the country that kind of wanted to go pro and he, you know, reached out. He was, we were at lunch and he was like, oh, you should be my manager. And I'm like, yeah, like, what is, whatever does that mean? <laughs> you know, and um, I've always liked business. So, you know, kind of knew that like marrying, you know, business and sports would, you know, would have been an interesting thing. And so, you know, kind of from high school, really knew that's kind of what I wanted to do and wanted to figure out how actually to accomplish that was the biggest thing. Yeah. yeah. And we, come from a, we come from an entrepreneurial background too. Our parents own franchise Burger Kings and work with some of the Browns players and some of the Indians players. So we were kind of immersed in that at an early age, like not knowing what we were around, but we were always around, uh, you know, professional athletes with our with our godfather playing for the Browns growing up. So, you know, for, for me, it wasn't necessarily, like I said, I still had hoop dreams for a long time. I didn't, I didn't really give those up. You know, I knew in the background, you know, being involved in sports was something we wanted to do. And to Aaron's point, the guy that he's talking about, I played AAU basketball with him from fifth grade all the way. I followed him to high school. We we had AAU, we won AAU national championships together, all that stuff. So, you know, I knew I wanted to be around sports as well, but wasn't really necessarily thinking about the business side. You know what I mean? I'm like, my brother's about to represent me was my thought. You know what I mean? He probably didn't believe it, but, you know. I uh, <laughs> shakes his head. I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't give it up until I gave it up. You know what I mean? You know, I think I, you know, had a conversation freshman year. I was like, "You think you going pro? <laughs> Maybe overseas?" No, like literally freshman year, I was still thinking about going overseas. And and you just were like, "I got to go into the business side of it." So what happened was, I would, uh, Travis Kelsey and DJ was my best friends at the time. DJ was one of my best friends at the time. He was roommates with Travis. And when basketball season was over. I was just hanging out with them all the time. And I was like, this is what I'm missing, going to practice every day, like partying and having a good time. And then uh, I remember like it was yesterday, I joined a fraternity called Alpha Phi Alpha, Double A Cincinnati, shout out to y'all. Um, and they were like, you know, you're not going to the NBA, right? You should just come be an alpha, kick it with us and yeah. transfer to the University of Cincinnati and, and, and call it a day. And probably three months later, I did exactly that. So, um, And that was it. Yeah. I didn't listen to Aaron, but I listened to that random frat brother that now is like one of my closest mentors. So it's a, you know, <laughs> hey, it's everything comes full circle. So speaking of like mentors, but I want an influence. Who were some of your biggest influencers like or influence in the, in the sports world when you were growing up? I mean, I think you, you know, you just look at the, you know, we were born in 89. I mean, I think you look at the the Kobe's, you look at the Michael Jordan's, you look at the Tigers, you think of, you know, even like, you know, the, you know, Mark McGuire's, Barry Bonds, like, you know, Cal Ripkins. I mean, you just think about like how many, like, I think sports at that time, you know, when we were growing up, I mean, you kind of get to see two different lenses. You see, you know, I think the traditional, like, reason why sports and and superstardom is what it was because you know you know you had the Deion Sanders, you had the Michaels, you had the Tigers, you had so many people that became like you know the name you know to represent a sport because you still kind of had that I would say you know ecosystem where you know the leagues and the media companies kind of dominated you know who got coverage and then you fast forward to you know we also grew up in Cleveland where you had LeBron and you, you know he was the chosen one on Sports Illustrated you know coming at, when we were in Thing, middle school high school and then you see kind of the rise of social media you know that started when we were in you know seniors in high school yeah and you could see you know the change between like the old guard of like how 
I would say athletes were, you know, kind of held up as stars. And then you see kind of like the new guard where like the athletes are trying to take more ownership because they're able to go kind of direct to consumer to and understand their fan. And so I think you know, there's been so many good examples of, you know, just people we've been able to, you know, see and, and you know, kind of, I would say, observe or get to know and, and talk to, especially, you know, except the older guys. And you're able to really just, you know, understand ultimately, you know, what it is that made me love the, the business. And are you a big LeBron fan now that you're, you guys are Ohio people? Yeah, huge. Huge? huge yeah, I mean, we're, you got to respect, you know, you got to respect what LeBron's done. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of crazy, you know, for someone to be given that much, I would say, I would say expectations, you know, at a very early age and being able to, you know, navigate all that, you know, you have to navigate and then ultimately still becoming, you know, and surpassing, I would say, the expectations. You know? Yeah. So I think that's that's impressive. And then, you know, we have a lot of people, like, not just in sports in around Cleveland that you know, are very similar. If you look at Machine Gun Kelly, if you look at Kid oh, Cudi, yeah. if you look at, you know, the Paul brothers, if you look at the Russo brothers, if you look at I mean, a lot of people that, you know, were able to kind of do things in a way that was truly their own and at the same time in industries that were not expected for them at the time and, you know, really kind of succeed. And so I think that's also, I would say, even more so than like the athletes, um, because a lot of those people are around our age and their their teams are around our age. So being able to kind of learn and see and, and, and talk and to understand, you know, the processes. And I think, you know, that's been, I would say, more of like an inspiration than I would say any athlete. For sure. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you know, like you were mentioning, the reason for, you know, your you know podcast is. You know, there's a there's a village that makes things happen and, and a lot of people don't see that village. And so being able to see that and being able to understand that has been was kind of the most inspiring part. And you get the business side of it. So when LeBron leaves the Cavs, is that something that's like that hit you guys hard or is that is it your favorite team? What, oh, sorry, I, I should ask that first. Yeah, What's yeah. your favorite team? Cavs definitely was you know was our, our favorite team was my favorite team. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a big I'm not a huge basketball you know guy. I'm not gonna lie. So okay. I mean like the Browns were my favorite team, yeah. but like you know the Browns were not that good, you know when I was growing up. And, I mean they're still you know working on it now. So yeah, you know when LeBron left, it was like you know, but you kind of knew he was gonna leave. I mean so like it was it was one of those things where you know it was it was frustrating as a fan. Because like those games were great to see, but then at the same time, you know you understand like, hey, you know, if you've been in the same city your whole life, right? And it's kind of like him going to college. Like I think he mentioned something like that, right? Like if you, none of, not a lot of people stay in the same place their whole life, and so I think you kind of look at it from the personal aspect, and you know I think you know you see kind of why someone makes the decisions that they make, which is ultimately you know you got to respect. Yeah, and um, just. That's decade talk for a second here. Y'all started this in 2012. The A&A started in 2012. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which you oversee a lot of the different careers of many different athletes. And Aaron, you mainly focus on the marketing side of things. While Andre, you you do the contract and the wealth management. And what led you to start your own company? And like, can you tell me a little bit more about those roles that you guys have? Yeah, I mean, I think... You know, going back to that conversation my friend had, I was like, hey, I want you to be my manager. I'm like, well, you know, coming from the, you know, the franchise, having, like Andre said, you know, having a family that was in franchising, you know, you want to understand everything that you're getting into. And so when he told me that, I was like, you know, what, what does that mean? Right. And, you know, so I thought about, okay, you know, if you're going to look at and break down, you know, the, the things that go into that, 
you know, you need to first understand, you know, the area that they're getting into. So understanding, you know, leagues, understanding teams and like, and, you know, understanding what an agent does and, you know, figuring out like what's my best fit. And so, you know, obviously I was in high school, so I picked Bowling Green State University because they had a sports management program. I'm like, okay, generally speaking, it was close to he, – he chose to go to Michigan State. It was close enough. A lot of my friends were going to the Big Ten schools, so it was still kind of close enough. Um, and then I was still close enough to, you know, big cities like Cincinnati, Cleveland, Detroit, where they had big pro sports teams. So, you know, and we were fortunate because of our – you know, like I said, like our dad worked with, you know, different baseball players and different – um, you know, football players. So, you know, at, at St. Ed's, we do a senior project. So it's basically like shadow a job you want to do. And I was able to shadow Mark Shapiro, who was the GM of the Cleveland Indians at the time, now Guardians, and and was able to kind of meet the media relations people. And like Mark Shapiro's dad was like an OG, like sports agent. And so like he has a really good book on kind of like all the things that, you know, he kind of went through of like being an agent. And so just really understanding kind of that lens. And then when I went to Bowling Green, I was uh, working with the the football program and working as like a, I'll say essentially everything from recruiting to being like you know when you're at a small school like the beauty is like you get to do a lot so I was able to work with the directly with the players on like learning the playbooks and learning scouting. Mike Martz, the former Super Bowl winning Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl winning coach for the Rams, his son was actually like a GA so he was teaching me how to break down film and. Um, you know, then, you know, we had a new coaching staff come in, Dave Clawson, who's now at, um, you know, at Wake Forest. And he was known as like a program builder. So like as someone who loved business and someone who loved kind of like building of organizations, like he was someone that came from Tennessee and he was known to take programs that didn't really have programs and making them big. I'm not making them big, but making them successful. So I wanted to kind of learn, you know, what that looks like. And so I was able to kind of just get a firsthand experience of like the life of like not only a college athlete, but the life of college athletes transitioning into the you know pros. And then I was able to go to the Browns and intern and do a similar role. And that's where I actually first met Joe Hayden, his rookie year. You kind of saw the difference between, you know, a lot of people assume, especially back then, you know, you'd go on everyone's every agency's website and it all looked the same. It was all beautiful. It's all like, oh, we do all this stuff. And then you realize, you know, that all the services that they list on the website are usually just like boilerplate services. And so the business concept was simple. It was like, how do we actually deliver on the services that these firms say they deliver on? Yeah. And then at the same time, how do we make sure that we're really good at it? And so, because I saw, you know, a guy, you know, guys coming into the league with, you know, friends as managers or family members and things of that nature. And, you know, not that saying that's a right or wrong approach, but I would generally say, when you look at a lot of the most successful people in sports, um, their teams aren't usually their family or friends. And the reason being is because at the end of the day, you have to be able to advise. You have to be able to give real feedback. And a lot of the times you also have to like learn and constantly learn. You're, you're learning every day. And if you're not challenging yourself to do that, it's very hard to advise someone you know, in a way that's authentic, but at the same time, that's actually going to, you know, educate, but at the same time, help them figure out what's best for them when they also might not give you the respect you deserve even because of that prior relationship. Yeah. Right. And so I would say that's a long winded way to say how it got started. But, you know, ultimately the idea was simple. It was like we were able to, we were fortunate to be in a situation where we knew athletes, right. And then we were fortunate to be in a situation in a time, honestly, 
where being able to start a business like this wasn't actually, in my opinion, you know, looking back, I could say it wasn't that difficult, but at the same time, it was at a good time because it was just when social media was starting. It was just when athletes were starting to think that they could have some ownership in what they want to do. And at the same time, it was starting to, the, the big agency structure, even though it still exists, it was starting to like, you know, shift a little bit where like LeBron and his team started LRMR, right? And that was the first management company that started just as a management specific company. Is that Maverick Carter and Rich Paul? Or so is it was Le- L for LeBron, R for Ra- uh, Randy, M for Mav, R for Rich. Got it. Right? And so that was like the first thing that they started, even though LeBron was with Aaron Goodwin at the time. So, you know, being able to see stuff like that, I was like, okay, that's an interesting data point. Yeah. And then, you know, you start to see kind of from afar people's trajectory in sports and entertainment and management and et cetera. And you look at it and you're like, okay, like, and you just got to figure out what makes it yours. Yeah. And you knew Travis from, for years. So did y'all, did y'all both, you both grew up with Travis, right? So we didn't, we didn't grow up with Travis. We we played each other in the AAU circuit. So, you know, we, we were talking about LeBron, like, in motivation and whatnot. I played for LeBron's first ever AAU team. We were called the King James Shooting Stars, and we used to just know Travis between the, the circuit. But when, when I went, made the decision to go to University of Cincinnati, he ended up being roommates with one of my friends from middle school, elementary school, that I've, that we knew uh, pretty much our entire life, and that's how we got close. But, you know, our my background is completely – I would say different than Aaron's, but like kind of like marry. If you marry the two, it like makes sense for like an athlete. Like you know, I went to the University of Cincinnati and, and started a event management business. I started throwing events all over the city. Our first client actually to A management was a DJ, and yeah. his name was DJ Magnificent. He's actually the what, god. Was he magnificent? He was magnificent. I mean, we <laughs> so we book all the events, we book all the venues. Like, and for me, it was more about like you know getting their contracts together, building their relationships, getting them in the right rooms, introducing them to the right people, so he can continue to grow his DJ business. But then also, you know, I, I met a guy named Dennis Cummings, and he kind of helped us get into the event management state. So I was booking venues, throwing parties, and like all the athletes would come. They, you know, they wanted to figure out what to do on the weekends. They'd be calling me and like, what's the move? And I'm at the line skipping a line etc like that so for me it's always about building relationships and connecting dots like that's yeah. that's what I love to do when it when it comes to this side of the business but I had to find my like my niche and like what I really love doing so I started working in finance so I worked at I worked in a bank I worked as a banker so when I tell you I went from you know getting clients credit cards to getting them loans commercial loans auto loans mortgages checking accounts savings accounts like basic things that a lot of guys coming out of college as athletes don't even think about they don't know how to get a credit card they don't have a credit card they haven't built credit right so that was the basics basic level of that and then i remember when travis made signed his second deal i went over to wealth management and you know to kind of manage money at a higher level right there it was completely different it was you know high net worth individuals you know million dollars or more you know and i kind of really learned what it was like to build wealth right and yeah. i remember like it was yesterday I would meet with all the private equity groups and they'd come in and they'd talk about all the deals that they invested in, all the companies they invested in, why they invested it in and like the, the diligence process that they go through to figure out if it's a good deal or not. And, you know, all knowing in the background and management is 
becoming something, right? And I'm learning as much as I can. Like I always say, I got my PhD in, in wealth management. And then uh, I think we ended up signing a couple first round picks and like I left. But like I left with the knowledge of, okay, if you're going to build wealth, here's the right way to do it. Yeah. If you're going to invest your money, here's the right way to do it, right? So I sit at the other side of the table, right, when, when advisors sit down in front of athletes and kind of talk about, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do this. I'm why. I'm the why guy. What are we doing this for? How's this going to help, et cetera, et cetera? It sounds like you guys are such a perfect duo. Like you have such a such a great team. Like obviously different different uh, roads and different ways that you guys started, but it seems like it all meets down the middle in the middle of the line. Um, I wanted to say that y'all. I, I saw that y'all are don't you don't just have NFL players. You have soccer players, lacrosse players. You have all different athletes. Yeah. So yeah. can you tell me a little bit about them? Who you have in those in 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 your roster? And then is there a perfect number to what you kind of have? Yeah, I mean, I think we look at our business as a service business, right? So it doesn't really matter the sport. It really matters the, you know, the services that we can provide and, and feeling like we actually have the ability to provide value. So I think, you know, we work with, you know, you know, newly we work with like a Kyla Novak, you know, you know, big on very big on TikTok, mm-hmm. you know, soccer player looking to kind of figure out, you know, what her next steps are going to be from a pro perspective. And what was interesting about her is, you know, we believe that the athlete should be a creator and, you know, she was a creator. Right. And so like working with her is completely different than working with, you know, a Jonathan Kamunga or Bones Highland or, you know, Denzel or even Travis, because she's someone who understands the creator economy. She's someone that understands content. So she's coming to us and saying, I want to do this. And like, let's, you know, really tie in all the services that we provide and like how to maximize what she wants to do in an efficient way. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I think everyone's different, but I think when you look at the services that we provide, we really, over the last decade or plus of, you know, running the business, right, it's thinking about how do we have the serv- how do we have the overarching services, but then how do we meet our clients where they're at, right? Because right. everyone's different. Right. right. There's going to be, mm-hmm. and so I think that's ultimately, you know, there's no right or wrong, I would say, number of clients that we think we can have, or um, it's really about you know, be, be, we're fortunate to be in a position where we'll take on as many clients as we think we can help, right? And I think from there, that's all That's all it is. And we're not, this, uh, I would say the other thing is that I think people differentiate between like, ma- I think the, the misconception about a lot of management is that you're always around, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, from the beginning, you know, we were very adamant about like, that is not an efficient model to grow a business, Right. Like unless someone is paying for like they can hire an assistant, you know, for that. You know, so our what we really try to focus on is like because of the banking background is, you know, how do we give our clients the best experience from a service perspective and also the most information to be transparent? So like that way, you know, you know, to answer that question of, you know, what are you doing for me every day? So, you know, making sure we're sending out monthly reports, making sure we're sending out, you know, having touch bases and check-ins and, and just really ultimately giving our clients the information that they need to make the best decisions, but also to be able to, you know, understand what we're doing. Yeah. yeah and, and to that point, I mean, you look at Denzel Ward as a prime example. I mean, he was a top pick. He's really good. And if you sit down and talk to him, he'll tell you, like, I just want to be the best cornerback to ever play the game, make as much money as I can, and build businesses. Like, he wants to get into real estate. He wants to do investments. And if you look at him versus Travis, where Travis loves being right behind the camera, loves doing TV, film, movies, things like yeah. that, Denzel's like, I just want to make sound investments in in, in, in real estate, in gaming, in spaces that he's passionate about, right? And I think for us, it's interesting because 
if a marketing firm that could only focus on marketing was working with the Denzel Ward, they might not want to because he doesn't want to do a mini commercials, right? He, he, he will, but that's not his main focus. But because we add that piece of business building and wealth management, <laughs> we're able to work with, with Denzel on that side as well and help him build his foundation and work with his parents and it, well, his, work with his mother to help do what she wants to do and his, his brother and what they want to do. So, you know, I think, you know, we, we provide a lot of things for our clients and we meet them where they're at, like Aaron says. Like, you don't have to be the most marketable person in the world because we can go out and help you find the right opportunities that you can get involved in that doesn't involve you being behind the camera all the time. Yeah. And it sounds like everybody's, it, you, like you said, you said it originally something about um, that you wanted people to be a creator, right? That was some, is that something that you still want from from everybody that you're that you're looking to hire? Is it yeah, like I mean, I, I, I think, you know, we look at it as, I would say, probably three types of clients, right? There's the the client that, you know, truly wants to be, I would say, quote unquote, you know, a star, right? And like, how do you service that, right? That's, I would say like a Travis, right? Yeah. Then there's the client that wants to be, to leverage their platform in the best way possible to maximize their family and their value, right? I would say that's a Denzel, right? There, and then, and then there's the client that literally is, could just be like, hey, you know, I want, you know, I'm a grinder, right? I might not be a pro bowl or all pro, you know, but I'm someone that I think can learn and leverage my platform as an athlete and the access that I'm given to find the future career. And I think we don't right now have that client, right? Because I think, you know, we're fortunate. A lot of our clients, I believe, are, you know, could be stars, right? But at the same time, there's guys that we've come across that there's guys that or girls that we're like, that's a very interesting, you know, person like Andrew Hawkins. Like we knew Andrew Hawkins very, very early, and he's someone we've always been friendly with. And if you look at him, if you look at Nate Burleson, if you look at, you know, just, those are just interesting, hardworking guys that leverage the fact that, you know, they had access through the NFL and they became more successful when they retired, right? And, you know, I think those are, that's also a client that we're, we're interested in. Yeah. And so I think it comes down to like, ultimately, it's very simple. We sit down, we meet with, you know, whoever we're interested in working with. And we just have a conversation because you're going to quickly understand, like, if they're a good fit and if they're not. And I would say what we really look for is, you know, ultimately people that we could just be honest with and, and people that, you know, we can be honest with. Right? I yeah. think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, I, I read I read that Travis said it's one thing to be represented by professionals and then it's another thing to be represented by family and it seems like there's an insane amount of trust between y'all specifically um what what point does it evolve from being pr like a business and professional what 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 does it evolve from being a business relationship into family that's a good question <laughs> i mean i don't like i was, i'm curious to hear your perspective on it but what i would say is like i kind of cringe at the family narrative a little bit because i think that's disrespectful to the family right and the friends right i think to me i think it's a mind game when people are like when when, when i hear in the agent business or etc like we're family like we're not family right you're paying someone for a service right if they if you weren't paying them they wouldn't be here so you're not family yeah. in my opinion yeah like and i think i hate that line because we are a service provider. You can fire us. So at the end of the end, we're very clear about that. So it's like, look, we're going to, you know, so I think we're, I think the line changes because you're ultimately working with someone in a very intimate way to understand their passions, their goals, what drives them, what, you know, what they're excited about, what they're happy about, what they're mad about, 
etc. And so you generally develop an amazing appreciation for the person and you want to do what's best for them because you want them to succeed. And I think that's, you know, what we care about and what drives us. And it can, and there's, it's not all, you know, roses. Okay. You're dealing with very type a, very successful driven men and women. And so when you're dealing with those types of people, like you're going to argue, you're going to fight, you're going to, you know, you, there's going to be a lot of that. But at the yeah. same time, if it's grounded in the sense that I'm trying to do what's best for you and they understand that, that's when, you know, you develop that trust. That's when you develop that, yeah. um, I would say, you know, relationship because it's not just bullshit, right? So it's not like we're someone that's not going to tell our client no. You know, and if something, if shit hits the fan, generally speaking, we're not going to be like, I told you so. No, it's a learning experience. Yeah. But because we probably told you our opinion on why we disagree with X, Y, and Z. And if you go through that, it's only going to make you stronger in your decision making. And it's not going to be a good or a bad thing, but it's going to be something that hopefully in the future, you don't make that decision again. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a different answer? I mean, I, I I have a different answer. I mean, I kind of get the, the the way he's going with it, but I think that family is built by gaining that trust and doing the right thing for people, right? So, I mean, we have a, I have a ton of family members that, you know, have no respect for me and will call me, you know, when they need something, you yeah. know? So I think, you know, I, I don't like the narrative of we're family, family, welcome to the family, et cetera, because, you know, when you first sign a client, it's like you guys aren't don't really know each other. But I think that family aspect comes from, you know, being at all the games or, you know, setting up the opportunities or getting them out of a situation they didn't want to be in and you build that relationship over time, right? And like, and I think that's when, yes, it is disrespectful to be, you know, call some, somebody family that isn't and like try to play on that narrative. But when you get five, 10 years in, we're working with a guy, it's like yeah. your family now, you know what I mean? Like, so Travis, you know, I, you know, Travis is family, right? That's but, you know, client we just signed, you know, a couple months ago, Jonathan Kaminga, he's not family yet, but we're going to do everything we can to make sure he succeeds as much as he can. And that's really what family's supposed to be, right? Like yeah. whether, whether uh, you know, you guys are blood related or not, you know? So, you know, I see where Aaron's come from because there's a lot of guys that do try to push that narrative and it's, it does kind of get cringy at sometimes like, hey, you know, we still work for you. You know, we're not best friends, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, and, and for me too, with Travis, it's like, you know, we kind of went through UC together, right? So it, it was, it was, it's a little bit different. And I, we talk about this all the time, like the level of, um, involvement that we have in every aspect of Travis's life, Travis's mom's life, his brother, his, you know, his dad, we kind of, I mean, actually we are kind of building that same thing with the Ward family, but it takes time. You yeah. know what I mean? So, uh, you know, I definitely don't agree with, you know, the family aspect until you, you know, begin to treat somebody like family or feel like family. And there could be clients where it's all transactional, right. And it never gets personal. Um, but we spend a lot of time doing what we're doing. We've, we've kind of planned this for, you know, our, basically our whole adult life. So there's definitely a, a family aspect to it for sure. And speaking of family, I mean, I have a lot of great experiences and, 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 you know, I have a great relationship with my family. I'm sure you do too. Obviously the two of you guys get along pretty well. Depends um, on the day. For it today. looks like it. No, for right now you do. No, we do. Um, and, and for, for as far as experiences go with these, with these players and with your clients, what are some of the most memorable moments that you have with Travis, for instance? <laughs> a couple days ago, <laughs> we were talking. You know, they, him and his brother had this podcast. Yeah, and it was, of course. It was uh, we were in the car driving, and it was me. Uh, well, Travis, his brother, and then Aaron, and then me, and we were just talking through, you know, some things, and it just got heated. And but oh. it was a it was a great heated conversation where like I, it's funny because like 
I, you know, I think I think Aaron and Jason are kind of the same person, and like me and Travis are kind of the same person. Yeah. So like, Aaron and Travis are talking, and me and Jason are laughing because Aaron and Travis are like, you know, going at each other. But those are the fun moments, right? Because then you end the conversation with the best possible outcome and how to approach things moving forward. You know what I mean? But you know, even with, but if we're talking like just fun moments, I mean, Super Bowl, the first Super Bowl was crazy. Yeah. You know, second Super Bowl was crazy but the first of all i remember we were all in the same section like um and you know it was just very 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 emotional like you think about the whole like what eight seven eight years and was what he had to go through and you know all the things and all the doubters and you know and, and to come out and win the super bowl and the, and the way they did it and him being ended up being the player that he is it's just like that was probably one of the one of the best moments. The second Super Bowl was like, all right, when's the next one? You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. I think I remember that. Like it was, yeah, like we were like, okay, yeah, next, run it back, <laughs> run it back. You <laughs> run know it what I mean? So yeah, that'd be, uh, you know, I mean, we can talk about a million different. I mean, from sure. Coachellas to you know concerts to you know Super Bowl parties. I mean, it's it's been. It's been it's been pretty amazing. And that's uh, what makes your job so special is having that bond with that person specifically, like getting to that family point. Uh, you know, going back, getting to that point and getting that trust from your clients is so awesome and imperiled to, to your business, right? Yeah. I mean, and there's another story I do want to tell, like, because this was very, it was a key moment. I think it was uh, San Francisco Super Bowl. And we were like new in the business, sleeping on couches, didn't have any money, just wanted to be around to kind of build and network. And like I was headed to I had to take my PTO because I was working at a job and I was headed to San Fran and the airline lost my luggage. And I had a suit and everything. We were about to go to the NFL players party. The NFLPA was throwing. I'm like, I cannot go to this party without wearing a suit. And, like, I was think I was texting Aaron all nervous or whatever. And Trav just gives me 700 bucks and was like, go buy a suit. And, like, you know what I mean? And we were, like, had to be, what, 25, 24, 23 or something like that. And I'm like, Crazy. that was probably one of the – I tell that story all the time. That was probably one of the moments where I'm like, oh, wow, this is a good dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. So <laughs> I'll tell you my probably most memorable moment was SNL. And mainly because, you know, I thought when we started working together, I was like, you know, I think you could be in film and television. And I think ultimately, you know, we originally started the business for life after sports. And right. so you know, it was always for me thinking about what is that, right? And I think, you know, SNL was something, you know, Travis does not ask us really for anything, you know, or doesn't even say, hey, I want to do this, right? It's more so like us bringing ideas and figuring out based on some of the things he talks about and, and so, like, but the one thing he said he would love to do was SNL. So it was a, you know, three-year process to figure out, you know, how to, you know, do SNL, right? Yeah. And so, you know, when he, when he hosted SNL, that to me was, you know, I would say the most memorable moment because ultimately it, it also you see, you know, A, how he performed, you know, on it. And then you see the after effects. And I think, you know, for, for me that was, you know, cool to see because I think ultimately – you know, we believe that he has a big opportunity when he, you know, is done in entertainment if he wants to do that. And for him to kind of show people what we've been seeing, you know, for, for a long time was, you know, was cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And so and so rewarding for real. Um, what about day to day in your business? I mean, is there is there specific times where it's like heavier and more there's a lot going on specifically asking like in like in season versus out of season? Clearly, you, you have a lot of different athletes, so obviously seasons go like this for y'all. But, like, as far as, like, if we're just, like, like if we put football in, 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 in question right now, is in-season and out-of-season a completely different thing for you guys? I think the misconception in the business is, and I was I actually was, you know, we were at the quarterback premiere 
I don't know when this airs, but we were at the quarterback premiere last night, um, and that's the uh, Netflix show that Pat Mahomes and Marcus Mariota and, and Kirk Cousins, you know, were involved in. You know, wanted to show support to you know Pat and you know Jacqueline and Chris and, and Chris and his team. And I was we were walking past the I was walking past the bar with Chris Cabot, Chris um, Cabot yeah. yeah, Pat's agent. And I was just like, yeah, man, can't wait till the season starts. And he just laughed. And he was just, and I think the misconception is like during your client's season is actually, you know, I would say it's busy, but not busy. And what I mean by that is it's a controlled busy because you know the schedule. Yeah. The off season with any client, any sport is always the busiest because it's not controlled. And it's, it could be any which way you got to condense a lot of things into a small period of time. Yeah. And so you're, it's way more travel. It's way more random. It's, you know, and it's way busier where like seasons are like, whoo, thank you. Like, okay, got a schedule. It's crazy. Cause I, I actually thought obviously the opposite, the, the misconception is completely there. So when you guys win the Super Bowl 2020, when you win again, is, is it afterwards that it gets crazy? Or is it like, I mean, you're going to the Super Bowl. It's the craziest thing ever. 2020, it was a weird year because of COVID. Right. So, like, right when the right. Super Bowl happened, it was busy for, like, a month, and then it died. But, you know, it died down because of COVID, right? right. But, like, this year, you know, it goes Super Bowl. Literally, so, like, Super Bowl experiences are, like, you're up all night, okay? Yeah. And so I literally get a call from – uh, the producers at SNL at like eight in the morning, Phoenix time and maybe earlier, but I didn't answer. And so I'm like, all right. They're like, Hey, you know, we want Travis to host and we need an answer by like two days <laughs> or less. And I'm like, uh, I don't think he's sleep yet. And so from the game. And so literally, you know, it was, I got a lukewarm response. He was like, man, that's soon. And then I knew we were going to do Jimmy Fallon and so Jimmy wanted to announce it, and so that kind of forced him to do it. <laughs> and so, yeah, but, I mean, ever since then, it was like you go right from there. You go right from Super Bowl. You go to the parade. And this is specific to Travis. And then, you you know, then we went to SNL, which is like a week boot camp. And then you go to all the other things. And in the meantime, you know, you, you have all your – like in a traditional non-Super Bowl period, you're always trying to figure out with the client – you know what their off season is going to look like. Where do they want to train? Where they, what are do they want to go to fashion week? Do they want to go to festivals? Like what like what are experiences they want to have? And, and you're always trying to plan that ahead of time, yeah. so that way you can quote unquote have a rough, rough schedule. Um, but yeah, man, off season, no matter what it is, if you're working in the business or you want to work in the business, just prepare to be busy. Crazy. And and obviously it's people's dream to go to the Super Bowl just to watch it with your eyes. Yeah, it's it's a dream come true to have a friend playing in the Super Bowl, but it's even crazier when they win. Can you describe the emotions of the first time seeing him win the Super Bowl? We probably got different emotions, but I'll let you take this one first. I mean, <laughs> that's my emotional guy. Right here. I, I I literally cried when he won the Super Bowl. Like. We were like, it was like the whole family were sitting in the same section. Like, I remember, like, his longest friends, Harry, Kumar, Eric. I mean, we were all there. Like, this is insane that he just won that. And it was, you know, probably one of the most e emotional things in sports. I mean, I also cried when the Cavs won the championship, too. And I didn't know anybody on the like team. Like I said. You know what I mean? But it was tears <laughs> of joy. You know what I mean? But, um, but yeah, it was it was, it was was amazing. I mean, seeing, seeing somebody like that win the Super Bowl, right? Because, again, like I said, I was – 
at Cincinnati with him. I was there when he found out he wasn't about to be playing, right? And like I was, I was there, you know, when he was go- working at a call center, be you know, to when he wasn't on the team just to make money, et cetera. So like seeing all of that happen, you know, and just it's just a culmination of things, you know, seeing him actually winning. I'm like, oh wow, you know what I mean? And you know, to Aaron's point, you know. I'm probably I'm more definitely more of the people emotional type of person. Like I was probably with him in Arizona at 8 a.m. You know when he got that text. You know because that was that was definitely a, a a fun night. We were up all night. You know partying and celebrating. But but yeah, it was it was it was super emotional. Super emotional having somebody you know, like you said, having somebody you know win it, and having somebody you're friends with win it, having somebody you work with win it. You know what I mean? Like it's just the trifecta. Honestly, like you can't ask for anything better. Like. The come up is is very very real, very real. Yeah, I'm not that emotional as a person. Um, it's more about like thinking, of, like I'm more like process and planning. So like for me, because we experienced a few Super Bowls, it's all about the work up into Super Bowl week, and then the work up until because like you don't know if someone's gonna make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah. No. So you have to actually plan for Super Bowl week which is usually for most guys an opportunity in the NFL to make the most money or build the best relationships to start the next year. So you're planning literally usually in October the year before, the, the year prior, so during the season, of what Super Bowl week looks like. And then you for all your clients in the NFL. <clears throat> and then you're having to figure out, okay, if we're going to have a bunch of guys in town – what do they need to be doing? Where they should be going? All the other stuff, and then you, you have to, you know, plan this. But like certain guys, if they win a Super Bowl, if they lose a Super Bowl, if they lose in the playoffs, they might not want to go to Super Bowl. So all those plans change quickly. Or if they, you, you're doing from a deal standpoint, if you're talking to brands, you're you're organizing a schedule. Well, you don't know if someone's going to go to the Super Bowl until after the divisional game. So like. If they are going to go to the Super Bowl, you plan one scenario. If they don't go to the Super Bowl, you need to have a lot of deals in place so that they can make the most amount of money they want to make that year in a week's period of time. You have two days to lock those deals in, right? So it's like, for me, it's like, all right, you have to have a lot of different scenario planning. Then you got to handle the media side. You got to handle the press side. You got to handle what happens if they win the Super Bowl. So then after they win it, it's like, okay, fuck, let's get to work, right? And you have (laughs) your whole team, like, especially we were on the West Coast, we have some of our team on the East Coast. You know, also like working and figuring out like all hours of the night, like everything, because you have a very short time to do things. And then, like I said, so I mean, so that for me, it's like, all right, like when it's out, when it's over, it's like, whoo, like, yeah, all right. Thank God. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Much. It's crazy how, how much you're planning for every angle of that. Which I mean, you is, have to. Yeah. You're, you're very forward thinkers. Like it, it seems, it seems that way, especially the way you're talking. Like you're so, you're thinking so far in advance, which is why you're good at what you're doing, what you do. Um, I love that you're helping athletes to get more than being more than just their sport. So I want to get into that for a second because I think that they are obviously, um, I, I worked with Gronkowski, um, on on a movie boss level where he plays the gunner, <laughs> and I just interviewed Henry Penzi for the second episode that we just dropped. Okay, and he talks about how he wants him to be the Arnold Schwarzenegger or like that next Stallone, and how they're looking to put him in different things because they're more than just an athlete. Yep. Um, and you get and you get that, and you've you've said that. So uh, your strong suit, your strong suit is. Um, business tactics for athletes to receive liquid income outside of professional sports. So can you elaborate on other employment opportunities that are off the field? So when you say employment, 
what do you mean like jobs different things that that, that can help them you know make sure that they're yeah and that's you too i mean yeah. i'm sorry that, it's, yeah it's no, no, so it, i think for an athlete when it comes i'll let him answer the the job question yeah. you know but i think while they're playing we i like to like you know as he's using their platform to find good marketing opportunities, I like to work with our clients to find, use their platform to find good investment opportunities, right? Because I think when you get at a high level and you're working with top private equity firms, it's not necessarily really about the money. It's more about how can you add value to a deal when you're as a, as an athlete on that cap table. And like we go above and beyond, right? We we have a great team. We're able to sit down and I, I'll talk to her. her. Name's Danielle. She works on our team. She's uh, the head of strategy. And I'll talk to her and I'll say, hey, what is a deck we can put together to present to this firm to say we want our client to invest in this round or whatever yeah. it is. And yeah. it's been we've been very successful with it. Right. I mean, I'm the guy that will literally read a press release and see who's named in that press release and go find and go email this person and say, hey, I think this will be a fun deal for my clients. Here's who we work with and here's how we work with them. And here's how they can add value to your brand. When I say we've invested in uh, Olipop recently and really? Olipop and I think it's, it's doing tremendous it's growing off the charts That's amazing but I'm literally I was in LA hanging out we were doing something and I read this article about Olipop and I'm hmm that's interesting emailed the dude emailed me right back and yeah. ended up you know, getting three or four of our clients in the round, you know, and, and that's how they make life after sports, right? Because when you're getting three, four X on your money, it just compounds, compounds and compounds. So like for me, yeah. it's just about getting them in the right deals, getting them in the right room, meeting with the right CEOs, owners, business people, and like having a coordinated strategy around that, which literally the, 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 um, what do you call it? The, the context of it is literally the exact same, right? If, Aaron's talking to a brand, he's building those relationships over years, right? But it's more about how can they pay the client money versus the client giving them money to be a part of their business, right? right. And, and so that's that's how I look at it. I, there's not necessarily, unless I have a client that we haven't had this that says, I want to be a private equity guy, like work for a fund or something like that, um, you know, then that I would go that route. But I'm more about how do you make the right investment so that when you're done playing, it starts compounding on each other. You build those right relationships. So when the next, you know, I don't know, name the best company out right now, when the next Apple, you know, is, you know, in its infant stages, the people involved are calling you and like, hey, I like this guy. Let's give him a give him a shot. You put a hundred grand in and you make 10 million. You know what I mean? I think that's yeah, crazy. That's kind of where I love to play. Like, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, Denzel's a prime example. I mean, Hilo is a great example, but Denzel Ward invested in a company called Efuse and you know, it was in a very, very early stage. He cares yeah. about gaming. You know, his parent, his mom, you know, cares about what Denzel gets in. And with the CEO is amazing. And that company grew, you know, from, you know, modest $8 million valuation to a hundred plus million. Yeah. You know what I mean? So those are the opportunities that I look for to kind of grow our client off the field. And, and at the same time, I think the misconception is, is like good deals are hard to find. Yeah. Like good investments, good private equity deals are hard to find. If you're an athlete and you're getting pitched an investment opportunity and it's not, I mean, nine times out of 10, it's probably not that great because yeah. if it was great, they wouldn't need you. And let's, let's, let's move into marketing. I, I think you can speak to this. You guys work with the biggest brands in the game. Yeah. Like the biggest corporations. You got Nike, you got Gatorade, you have uh, Pepsi, Visa, T-Mobile. You have tons of different brands. What's that like? And what's the importance of that sponsorship for them? Because obviously your life after football. So what is the importance of having those sponsors? Well, I would say, it, it, it de again, it depends on the client and it depends on the client's goal, right? If the client's goal is to, 
you know, to, to do something in media and entertainment when they're done. Well, I think part of the, you know, the value of the sponsor is elevating that client in a way that shows other people and using their marketing dollars and their, you know, media budgets to elevate the name, the image, the likeness of that person. Mm-hmm. Right. And then also, you know, again, on the creative side, we're really, we're really, you know, I would say involved to make sure that whatever our clients are doing, they're, they're being shown in a way that's true to them. Right. Because, you know, it's very simple, that simple mindset of, or that simple premise of you only have one time to make a first impression. And so there's a lot of times that we're always mm-hmm. trying to make sure that, you know, when our clients are being seen, they're being seen in the light that they want to be seen, but it's also putting them in a position for the next opportunity. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing that we're focused on. And so we're, we're here for the SBs. Right? We have a lot of young clients. You know, we want them to be on the red carpets. And then people are like, oh, why? Well, you know, those images go viral. Usually those images are good images to have. But it's also starting to showcase you outside of your helmet. And if, or you, you know, if you're in the NBA, you, you have a fashion tunnel every time you walk into the game. Yeah. You know, now, but it's showing you in a situation where you're among, amongst other athletes you're amongst other entertainers you're amongst other executives and you never know who's going to be in the room and so just showing up a little bit you know puts you in a position where for the next opportunity that you might not otherwise know you're going to get because nowadays brands you know they don't care that you play sports right they care that you're going to connect them to a consumer that they have a hard time reaching which is usually the 18 to 34 demographic right the younger crowd right and so where's that younger crowd at they're on TikTok they're on social right they're looking at the cultural sites they're looking at the fashion blogs like and if you're showing up repeatedly you know that's how you get opportunities like it's not surprising that Kyle Kuzma uh Jordan Poole uh, Shea Gildress Alexander and the NBA specifically get great opportunities. I mean, if you look at Stefan Diggs signing with ASICs and you look at other stuff like that, it's like, yes, he's a great football player, but you know, he's also putting himself out there by being in Paris for fashion week. He's putting themselves out there by doing creative campaigns when it comes to fashion and, and also like our, our, you know, how they post, right? Like their social media accounts, like you don't need millions and millions of followers, but if you have a cool aesthetic, that that brand enjoys and likes, they're probably going to work with you, mm-hmm. right? And so it's not one of those, you know, I would say one size fits all things, but I think there's just a lot of misconceptions about how to get a deal. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I think that's the biggest, I would say challenge in our business is ultimately educating people on how a deal comes right. about. Right. Biggest, and do one those, of the biggest. Do those clients call y'all? I mean, specifically, or are you reaching out? Like, again, you yeah, said... Yeah, I mean, like, it, 90% the of the time, no one's calling us, right? Okay, I mean, yeah. it's 90% of the time, it's it's doing a lot of cold calling over years to make sure that, A, people know who to go to. Right. Like, that's very, very challenging. And I would say the number one thing you hear from brands when they don't want to work with someone is because they don't have confidence in the person that they're talking to can bring the deal, right? And so if you think about it from, like, uh, the one thing I always challenge athletes on is, like, have a tight team and a meaning like the mindset of I'm going to have a million people work for me to bring a million different deals is not the right mindset because yeah. the business and the market isn't that big. So if a million people are talking on one person's behalf, there's no confidence that that deal can get done because no one knows who to go to. Right. And so if you ask in the, so we, the first thing we do when we sign a client, we make sure every system, every, Every email, every database is pushed out like that we work with someone. And then we're constantly challenging and talking to people about who we work with because we want to make sure in the event an opportunity comes about, 
they know who to go to. Yeah. I want to, I want to talk about y'all's dynamic real quick because I, I, I you know, I want to know other than working with clients, what are some of the challenges that you guys face as family working with one another? Or is there even, you know, being twin brothers, um, are there, you know, is, is collaborating something that you guys really hold to be something the most special part of y'all's job? And, and what are some of the challenges that you guys do see as family? Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, uh, the fact that we are family is uh, hasn't really been that challenging. I mean, I, I will literally tell him anything. He'll literally tell me anything. And it, we're not we're not going to tiptoe. We're yeah. not going to sugarcoat. Anything. I think that's unique to our family, though, because a lot of people are surprised and they're like, oh, man. Like, but I think growing up, our family was always like, look, business is business. Family's family. They're not yeah. the same. For right. Sure. And so when a lot of times you see people, I would say families get into situations because people take shit personal. And it's like, oh, we're family. Oh, it don't fucking matter. Yeah. Like this is business. Like if I was your boss or if I was your coworker and we're not family, I wouldn't. I'd be saying some the same thing, right? You know. So for sure, I think we were we grew up in that environment, and so we're able to be completely honest. We're able to be completely, you know, transparent. We're able to say whatever we want because it's not a situation of. You know, we're going to hurt each other's feelings. No. Right. And I think that's the think like you said, you get in that heated conversation. I can only imagine the heated conversation. I mean, I look at I look at every deal we talk about. I look at it as we're about to make an investment in that brand yeah. and it's completely different. But I feel like the conversations we have helps us get to the best deal for our clients because. I'm looking at marketing budgets of brands. I'm looking at cap tables of brands. So like if a brand comes to Aaron and says, we want your client to do this, I'm always going to be the one, well, why can't they double that number? Right. You know what I mean? Or why can't, right. And sometimes he's like, that's not how it works, but it still gets the mind running. It gets us thinking about things in different ways. And also I'll add like, on a personal level, we're not the doublement twins. We're not identical. We're not. We don't like the same things. Yeah. We're completely different, right? So, like when it came to building A and A, it was more like he knew what he wanted to do, and I was like, okay, I don't want to do that. Like I'm not. I'm not creative. He'll send a creative for like a commercial, and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And he's like, no, it's not. I'm like, oh, okay, you know. So like I'm more of business analytical, right? And I think we watch our parents, right? Our dad was just like him when it comes to business. My mom probably more like me when it comes to finance and the numbers and the crunching. So like. You know, it, it it works that way. I think a lot of families, if we were the same person, it, we'd probably butt heads. But we're completely opposite. We were always told, though, like, you have to figure out your role and what your responsibilities are. Otherwise, you're, it's never going to work. Yeah. Right. And so I think that's that's just the if you're ever going to work with family, understand the roles. Right. Yeah. And understand the value that you're bringing to the table. And. Yeah. I mean, and also, like, don't use family as a crutch, right? Don't, yeah. you know, don't be like, oh, we're family. It doesn't matter. Right? The last, you know, we're going to, we're, 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 we're nearing the end and I want to, I want to get into an advice section. Um, but before that, I want to ask you, are there, are there moments where you see, I mean, I, I watch a lot of like, you know, when you watch football or you watch basketball, there's a lot of post game interviews. My brother does a couple of them. He, he works for the Mavericks and he works for the Cowboys. And, you know, he does, he does a lot of uh, post game interviews where you're, you know, are there moments where you're being that your clients are saying, to be honest with you, that not not necessarily post game, but any any scenario where they say, thank you for all the hard work that you've done, or is it private? Do they call you? Have you ever had moments where they call you? Have you been out in public where you guys are, you know, at a club or something, and they pull you aside and go, man, I this would not be possible without you, and get super sentimental. Are there moments like that within your within your uh, workspace? Yeah, there's definitely been moments. You know, there's definitely been moments, and you know, I keep we keep those. I, I at least you know appreciate those moments. 
you know, you know, but at the same time, I will say, you know, it's not one of those things where we demand or expect that, right? Because, you know, I think, you know, the challenging part about being in management is you are very involved, but at the same time, you know, I think you should be like a servant leader, right? And yeah. I think, you know, when, you know, people joke when, you know, people laugh when I'm like, you know, they're like, oh, like, you know, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a glorified babysitter, right? And it's like, and it's kind of tongue in cheek, but at the same time, it's like your job is essentially to make sure people get to where they need to be on time and to educate them about what they're getting into yeah. in a space that doesn't provide a lot of information. Right. You get paid better than a babysitter is all. Is, uh, is oh, what yeah, I yeah. Say. No, day, man. There's certain babysitters <laughs> I've heard out there, like, you know, flying on G4s and stuff. Like, you know, so, you know, but uh, but I think truly, though, we, we uh, you know, when you, you ever heard of the term liar's poker, right? And all marketing in the sports landscape, all it is is liar's poker, right? Because no one's telling you information. There's no database that has everybody's contracts, right? Everyone, I always joke with him on the finance side, you know, when it comes to marketing, everyone's a genius. When it comes to finance, no one's a genius. So you don't get a lot of pushback. But everybody, when it comes to marketing. I'm like, Aaron, how did I get this done this fast and it's taking you forever? Yeah. Everyone, when it comes to marketing, has an opinion. And it's just like, okay. You know? That's true. Like, it's just like, okay, yeah, man, you just woke up as a PhD in marketing and advertising. Great. You know, but it's one of those things where, you know, you understand. So, like, again, data doesn't lie. You know, and also like we're the being transparent on the process, yeah. right? Let's them understand. Okay, here's the situation, you know, in in showing them, right? Because yeah. you want them to make a good decision, and and I think that's, you know, the biggest thing, right? I think so. It's like the you know getting our flowers here and there is 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 appreciated, but I think it's ultimately, you know, again, you know, when you're so in it, and you're so in the process of just like. You know, there's a million different things that are going on. We have a team of uh, amazing team of six internal, but then you know, you look at the external teams. I mean, there's a lot of people involved with everything that we're doing, and so you're all you're you're kind of, you know, you can't even really enjoy. I would say the process until, you know, we're old, honestly, because you're just it's just so. You know, it feels like yesterday it was January, yeah, and we're about to we're 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 in, we're in July, right? Facts. And it's. And yeah. you just want to, like, you know, keep driving value for the clients you have, look at some new clients that you're evaluating, and you're constantly thinking about what does this person need to do to get to where they want to get to. Yeah. And so when they appreciate when they when they thank you, it's honestly like, oh, thanks. I mean, it's kind of – it's a weird reaction because you're not sitting there, like, in this moment where you're just like, there's nothing else going on. So it's kind of like, oh – you have to like stop and be like, man, that's that's really cool. I really appreciate it. Well, you're, now I need this though. Plus, this is our job. You know, yeah. it's like it's, 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 this is our version of a nine to five. So like, right. you, you don't have you know, you work at your normal nine to five. You don't people coming in and praising your graces and like, no, wait, this <laughs> right. is what we pay you to do. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So, so that's I mean that's another thing. Yeah, that's a that's a perfect way to put it though because it's just like, you know, it's one of those things where you kind of tell people like, you know, this is the job, right? And I think it's a fun one. Yeah, it's, but, a, it's a fun one, and it's a, it's challenging and. You know, but I you don't I don't expect anything, and I think you know I think if any expiring managers out there, I'll say don't expect anything. Like yeah. You're not owed expect anything. To be paid. No, yeah. for sure. But you're gonna you're gonna get a kick out of this because we actually have because we weren't able to get the uh, the audio together today. We actually had a clip sent in uh, so that you guys could hear some like thank yous 
from one of your clients. I know this is, we do this on every show and we like to call in people, but I really, I feel that it's important for you guys to hear how amazing it is that they can, the things that you do and how affected your clients are. So just for a brief moment, we're going to listen in on, uh, this is one of your clients telling you, thank you. Hey guys, there's one thing that has stayed consistent in my research of the Eanes brothers, and that is that each one of their clients gives back. And I know that a lot of athletes give back, but it's some special, special, special cases. These athletes are doing some amazing things with their family. And this one specifically is Denzel Ward and his family's foundation, Make Them Know Your Name. Nicole, Denzel's mother, as you briefly heard on the earlier part of the show, has become family to the Eanes brothers the way to Travis has. Nicole was kind enough to take a moment out of her day to talk to us about the Eanes brothers, their impact on their family, and more. So without further ado, Nicole. All right. Hey, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I will start off with a question. What impact have the Eanes brothers made on your family? The impact that Aaron and Andre has had on Denzel's career has been significant. Aaron and Andre know so many people they have so many connections and they are so unselfish in the fact that they do whatever they can to make sure that they are putting Denzel as well as our family in front of the right people and given the opportunity to further his career off the field. Um, an example of this is that they're always inviting Denzel and our family to events and um, give us the opportunity to speak with them, to meet these people um, to partner with them so that, again, we could um, just further our careers or Denzel's career, not only on the field, but off the field. And it, it's just been a tremendous relationship. They've been so unselfish with sharing the plethora of resources and connections that they have with our family. That's great. And how has your relationship with the manager strengthened over time? Our relationship with ANA management has definitely strengthened over time. Um, honestly, Aaron, Andre, Sarah, their team, they're like family to us. Um, we know their family, they know our family, and um, the bond between us, all of us, just continues to grow and grow. And I really appreciate that um, because not only are we able to do business, but we can feel comfortable knowing that we are working with someone that we truly trust, like our family. And lastly, what memories do you look forward to making in the future with Aaron and Andre? The memories that we look forward to making with Aaron and Andre and their team is to continue to build on the great bond that we've already have, that we've already started and have achieved, and just looking forward to accomplishing um, more goals together and continuing to strive for the best and seeing much success. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Nicole, for coming on. Uh, guys, uh, that is all for our special guest today. And we're going to go right back into the show. Um, I, I want to get into some advice um, with you guys. And I want to talk about something that you learned I want to talk about something that you've learned in that applies to everyday life. Something that you learned in your career that is applied to your everyday life. You want to start? I got to start. Yeah, I mean, I would say always always be curious. 
and I, I feel like I've, I feel like that's the number one thing I've learned, right? And I think when you're in the sports space or sports and entertainment space, everything changes every day, you know? And I think if you look at, you know, like I was talking about earlier, if you look at just the last 10 years of business, the rise of social media, the rise of crypto, the rise of NFTs, the rise, the rise of, and fall. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I can I can talk on that for a little while. <laughs> I mean, if you the rise of the athlete as media, right? And if you think about the 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 changing narrative and the changing landscape of you know athlete led media properties, right? And so if you weren't you know always trying to learn and always trying to be curious about you know every different thing, well then ultimately you're not going to be able to be that successful in my opinion in any business now because every single industry is changing every day and i think you know that that curiosity can keep you you know in a situation where you're constantly trying to just better yourself better your knowledge base and then ultimately better you know your position i would say in this world I want to I want to I want to interject real quick and tell you that my mom actually the funny story she sends me quotes every single day like it, it depends on what's going on we'll talk on the phone once a week or two you know a couple times a week and she'll hear what's going on and then she'll send me quotes of the day funny enough when I told her I was meeting you guys she started researching and looking you guys up and not only that but she saw your quote that said be patient and curious and she sent it to me just like the other day. And it's, uh, it's, you just said it when I asked, when I asked, you said, be curious. And it seems like that's being patient is such a hard thing to do within y'all's industry. Can you talk about being patient a little bit? I'll, I'll take that one. Cause that was literally what I was going to use as, as, I mean, it probably comes from all the interviews we've been doing, like on the patient side for me, it's, that's probably one of the biggest things, right? I mean, cause you know, we, we were fortunate to own the entire business, right? We didn't get investors and we didn't give up. We didn't, you know, but it was a long 10 years, right? And yeah. like, it was a patient 10 years, not only for, for people want to get in this business, like you got it, you have to be patient because everyone doesn't get good clients. Everybody doesn't get Travis Kelsey as the world, but people also don't realize Travis Kelsey was not Travis Kelsey. You know, it took years for him to build and grow. But also going back to when we sit down with clients, they always want to know when the next deal is coming. Where's the next deal? What are you, who are you guys talking to? What are these brands talking about? Et cetera, et cetera. But it's a process. It's a process of consistent following up. It's a process of going to things like the SBs and getting to know people and building yourself up, right? And, and being in the right rooms at the right time. It's no different for, for managers. It's no different. You need to go, you need to go to the Super Bowls. You need to go to the all-star weekends. You need to be in the right rooms at the right time. And then by doing all that, when you get that client, you already know all the right people to talk to and to be be around and et cetera. So, and I'll also add, I mean, for what we've started in 2012, and I think I don't know how many years it's been now, but for the majority of those years, both me and him worked different jobs, right? It was it wasn't always full time focused on A and A management, but those jobs were jobs that could add value to what we knew the end goal was going to be, right? With sure. whether it's me working in finance and like learning that side of the business until the business was able to sustain a salary for me to live, you know, and I also have a beautiful daughter, right? So that kind of forced me to, to focus on, you know, at a, at an early age on, on the, the bigger picture, but then also with him working in facilities, working with the Bowling Green football team and things like that. Right. So it's patience is, is, is key. Patience and curiosity has to be key to life because when you're not patient, you make decisions based on emotion. And it, oftentimes it doesn't end up being, being the right decision. Yeah, and I mean, I think directly when you, you know, really look at 
if we if we look at our business and no and nobody uh, I would say those are great for anybody but I think if you look at our business in particular you're around really rich people here at times you're around really famous people at times you're around you know sometimes good people sometimes bad people and if you're not you know always trying to learn you could be swayed by things that otherwise you probably shouldn't be swayed by but then at the same time if you're not patient you know you might think that oh i should be living this lifestyle that i see this other person living or that other person living but it might not actually be the real lifestyle they're living it might just be what you're seeing and i think you know it, it's always you know good to you know we really try to harp you know on all of our employees and we really try to harp on each other like at the end of the day, like when we talk about being a servant leader, like you're you're doing a job, right? First and foremost, all the other stuff is great, but like you're doing a job. Your job is to make sure your client can live the best life they want to live, and then you can help them live the best life for the longest time that they want to live. Yeah. Right. And if that's the goal, and if that's the job, and you know that's the focus, every action that you're making as a business, and but every action as individuals should be geared towards. How are we being able to put our clients in the best situation to thrive, right? Mm -hmm. And that's going to force you to make different decisions, right? And so the patient part was because half the time when people see athletes, they assume they should be doing X, Y, and Z without actually living, walking, I would say experiencing what they go through on a day-to-day basis. And so it's very hard to advise if you just take the, like, you know, the one question we talked about earlier on the financial side, you know, people be like, oh, how can they go broke? Or how could they do this? Ah, but you're essentially putting your experiences, your knowledge base, your values on someone else that has literally none of that, right? Half the time, most of these athletes maybe go to three years of college. Half the time, they maybe come from a middle-class family. Right. And so now you're expecting them at the same time when they don't have that level of trust with sophisticated advisors and they don't have a sophisticated family sometimes, you know, good or bad, that is dealt with hundreds of millions or multiple millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And they're put in a position where they have to make these decisions on who the people in their team is at a very short period of time when at the same time they're getting no information truly about the the teams because they're not in a position to ask great questions right right it's like how do you expect them to make the best decision for them right and so that's when you see the the horror stories it's usually not at the fault of the athlete in my opinion sometimes it is but at the same time it's generally in a situation that they weren't even given the opportunity to make the best decision because the information wasn't available to them. What about the future of where you guys are heading right now? Like it sounds like it sounds like there's so many things that you have going on that have happened over the past couple of years that have been explosive and amazing. Where's the what's the future look like for the Eans Brothers? Yeah, we keep I mean look, like we said, all, everything that happened this year has been in process for three years. So it's kind of one of those things where people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe what you guys just, eh, this has been three years in the work. So it's one of those things like, you know, if we're looking at the next three to four years, you know, we're really looking at, you know, with certain clients, how do we build in the biggest media business, right? And then with other clients, it's like, how do we break you into being, you know, a star in your own right, right? Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, how are we continuing to put opportunities in front of them to maximize their value in the business community? And then also we're looking to constantly challenge a lot of our clients about, you know, content creation 
in, a, in an efficient way. PR, right? right? Getting their name, story, image out there and making them a brand. Because at the end of the day, no brand wants to work with someone just because they're their name. They want to work with them because they, they, they're showcasing and aligning with their values as an organization. And I think we are constantly trying to get better at advising our clients in a way so that they can be that brand that brands want to latch to. Yeah. yeah. Which, is, again, when you talk about patience, it takes time. Yeah. Right? Rome wasn't built in a day. Either was a brand. Mm-hmm. I think we were, we're fortunate enough to, like, that's been our focus since we started the company, right? So now I think the, the sports world, the media world, the entertainment world is moving towards having needing that representation, you know, or a management company like ours instead of just an agent that can handle that's supposed to traditionally supposed to handle those type of things. You know, so I think that's the future for us. We're kind of going to keep this same. I mean, like you said, we're learning new things every day. So when it comes to our foundation, it's late. You know, it's not it's more about, you know, working with more clients and, and getting our, getting the word out there more, you know, with the younger clients that are reaching out and the families that are reaching out that want to get in, you know, want what's best for their son or daughter and, you know, and work with those management teams. It doesn't have to be us. You know, I would encourage all young athletes with NIL going on and all this stuff is to find that core team that can be there, you know, and teach you and give you the information and provide as much information as possible so you can make the most objective decision. So, you know, future for ANA, I mean, we're just going to grow and get bigger and get better. I mean, that's how I see it. You know what I mean? Um, you know, next 50 years, you know, so. Yeah. I want to say thank you guys. The, the fresh perspective is amazing. Y'all are awesome. I mean, I, I, I each one of you guys has such a great personality. And and on, on top of that, the stories that you just told and everything that you have going on, I'm I'm, I'm honored to be able to sit here with you. Honestly, no so, man, we we appreciate you coming coming out here to do this. I yeah, mean, man. it's been it's been great. It's a, this is awesome. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining. Thank you, man. To come up, and we will talk soon. Yes, sir. All right. Nice. That was fun. Thank you. It's crazy how much you hear in headphones. I love that. You hear the whole thing. I was like, what? Literally, everything else.